Good morning, Rock Bible Church. You don't recognize me, do you? No. Every once in a blue moon, uh, you drag the suit out. We had a funeral yesterday, and uh, Kate Gibson, uh, we celebrated and remembered her mom, Catherine uh, Diane Higgins, and uh, we had a great time of memory and celebrating yesterday right here in, in the Fellowship Hall. And so I thought, well, the suit's out. Might as well get my money's worth. And then there's the shock value of you seeing me in a suit, which is kind of fun, too. Um, hey, I uh, wanted to remind you, uh, we, we have our men's ministry up and running Monday night, 7 o'clock, uh, Porky's Pizza Palace, just because that's fun to say. Um, but uh, we had uh, 13 guys last week. It's growing. So I want to get to 14, because why do a touchdown and two field goals when you could just do two touchdowns? right? And get to 14. So um, there's that. And then uh, Wednesday mornings, 6 a.m., we're doing our men's fraternity study, uh, uh, year one uh, of uh, men's fraternity and manhood definition uh, of authentic manhood the way God intended. So uh, we'd love for you to be involved in either of those. If you have questions, uh, come talk to me, all right? And we'll, uh, we'll get you going. Um, it's great to be back. It's really weird to be out for four weeks. Um, and I will admit it was not a good four weeks. Uh, with the things that are going on in our family and moving and then the loss of uh, Scott O.C., my son's father-in-law, it was weird timing. How uh, Brent and I planned back in October that he would do four weeks of his first sermon series in January, and then all the timing played out the way it did with God. Uh, having other things in store. Maybe ask some different questions. And uh, you know, my New Year's was a little different. Very um, contemplative. Thinking about what's important, the whole thing. And... Um, uh, quite honestly, uh, it was New Year's Day that I thought about what I was going to talk about today. So I've been waiting almost a month to get to this. Um, so let's pray, uh, and then we'll get started. And uh, are we video on? For the because I'm not seeing it on the the back screen, but you know, I don't know. Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what we get to do. For the reminder Bryce gave us, the, the ability to worship, the importance of worship and what it does for us, how you've commanded it. I pray, um, Lord, that we would experience the same in teaching. You've said that there's something about the public reading of Scripture uh, that's mandatory. And I pray, Lord, that our time this morning would honor and glorify you. And so be with us in this passage, and may your spirit guide us, and may it bring uh, attention and praise to your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen? Amen. Uh, I want to talk about contentment this morning. Um, and uh, if you get your outlines in, out and you take a look at them, it says senseless contentment, which sounds a little contradictory or a little uh, ironic, um, maybe sarcastic. Uh, and that's on purpose, and I want you to go with it because we're going to kind of compare and contrast 
um, some things out of this passage from Paul. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, rather than the whole chapter, we're doing a little section um, here. And we're going to start with verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and go uh, up through 16. So about 14 verses today. Um, and it's going to start off a little different, and then we're going to kind of hit our groove when we get to verse 6, okay? But I want us to... Um, 3, 4, and 5, I want us to talk about for a second after we read it, and then we'll get into the contentment thing. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, what's the standard here? Um, are we listening to God or not? Are we? Uh, is Scripture... Uh, a basis, a foundation, uh, a marker? Is it a measurement that we use? Um, or are we coming up with something else? Um, does it matter what the something else would be if you were not listening to God? It could be any other thing, and how valuable would that be? Paul's making the argument that not, and here's what he's saying about the person that does that. He is puffed up. Ooh, how would you like that scent about you? What's the feel of puffed up? They're not really puffed up, like like uh, Pillsbury, Pillsbury Doughboy or State Puff Marshmallow Man. Um, if they're puffed up, it's not a physical thing. This is an analogy. What's the analogy? When somebody's puffed up, in fact, it used to happen in high school out on the courtyard during lunch, hanging out with the buddies, and when Sometimes one of the buddies would do certain types of things. My buddies and I, we would go, do, we just make that sound. It was the sound of their head getting bigger, right? Um, same concept, what's the feel of puffed up? Did someone say pride? Okay. What's the focus of pride? Self, right? Puffed up is self became important. Too important. Puffed up with what? He is puffed up with conceit. Well, what's the basis of conceit? What's the focus of conceit? What's the topic? Self, again, right? And understands nothing. Wow. Uh, this is a little mini equation. If you want to be dumb, focus on yourself all the time. That's bad. Bad news for narcissists right there. Um, he has an unhealthy craving, craving to satisfy who? Self again. For controversy, why would he enter into controversy? If I argue with Fernando, it's because I want him to be wrong and self to be right. Right? And for quarrels about words. You ever mince words with somebody? That's no fun. Why, why would you be in a situation where you're mincing words? Because they have a self-interest in what's being talked about, and I have a self-interest in what's being talked about. Um, is Paul being very focused on a very specific topic here? All this self stuff gets you away from sound teaching, good doctrine. It pulls you from godliness, from Christ. And so let's make sure we listen to that type of teaching rather than doing self, which produce, back to our um, 
He has an unhealthy craving or controversy, quarrels about words, which produce envy. Envy in others? Or envy in self again? Right? Dissension. You're in odds with other people. Slander. Now you're talking about other people because you want to project something on them. Who's projecting? Self again. Uh, evil suspicions and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. That's a rough little set of phrases right there. Depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Apparently, it's possible to get there. Depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Um, insert story of being a little kid when you did something foolish and your parents came around and solved it, right? Like when you tore apart a massive, expensive speaker for the stereo system because your buddy told you that you could get a big magnet off the back of the speaker and you wanted a big magnet. And then you take this torn up speaker to dad and say, dad, I'm having trouble. I can't get this magnet off this cone. Can you help me? And he says, oh, wow, you are depraved of, of mind and deprived of truth. What are you doing? That's not exactly the phraseology that he used. Um, true story. Most of it happened in the garage on High Ridge Place. Uh, the confrontation with dad happened upstairs. It didn't go well. Um, can we end up in a bad place? Here's the scarier question. Can we end up in a bad place and think we're right? Think we're okay? Think we're headed the right direction? What's the problem? Depraved in mind and deprived of the truth comes from imagining that godliness is a means of, what's that last word there? Gain. Gain is about, I've, I've asked you this question like six times, seven times already today. Gain is about who? Self. When we're worried about what we get, what we look like, where we are going, um, what people are saying about us, how much we have, what our opportunities are, the titles that we get to carry, those can be all good things. It can be accomplishments. It can be ways for you to help others. But is, is, it, is it possible to help others because you want to feel good about yourself? Help others because it's going to put you in good standing. There's a way to do things for self that leads you down a path. That's the wrong path. What do we have? What do we want? Those are careful. Those are... Um, yeah, careful questions to ask. Watch this. Verse 6. And I think we should read this one out loud together. Okay? I like this one enough compared uh, to, because of what we're talking about today that I put it out at the top of the back of your outline. Right? Verse 6. Right? Let's 
say it together. I'm going to lead in with the means of gain thing, and then you're going to follow the cadence and just go into verse 6 with me. Okay? Ready? Let's try this. Uh, imagining that godliness a, is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's try that again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul does a little, he likes to do this. He, he likes to flip logic and, you, and be ironic. It's like, oh, you've been talking about how the, how the pursuit of gain is this bad thing. And then he turns around and says, well, actually, there's a great gain you could have, but it comes from a different process. It comes from godliness. That'd be verses uh, 3, 4, and 5 right? The value of theology. But then let's put it with this other word. And here comes contentment. What is contentment? Let's ask that question out out loud, uh, have fun, and have our interactive portion of the morning, right? So uh, let's offer some ideas. What is contentment? I have a definition that I like and, you know, whatever. I could be convinced of a new one. But what would you say contentment is? Now, you are not allowed to use the word to define the word. Contentment is being content. No, can't do that, okay? What do you say? Peace? How many pieces? Oh, having peace. Okay, having peace. I like that one. That's a good one. Okay, being satisfied. Ooh. Being satisfied. Having peace. Let's add a little more to it. Like if we had a longer, those are good short ones, right? I mean, I, I love short definitions. It makes life so much easier and I get to be lazy, right? But if I wanted a bigger definition, having peace and satisfaction with what I already have and who I already am with what's going on. How do I enjoy what I already have? How do we get to that place? See, now we're flying right in the face of gain and self. What do you have? Are you enjoying it? What do you want? And what will it cost you? What are you pursuing? And who will be hurt through the process? Of the things you're pursuing, how many dead bodies will be left on the road behind you? In what you're doing, will people follow, support, Big questions. Paul seems to think that contentment goes with godliness. Now, do we buy that? I mean, God gave us uh, incredible abilities and talents and skills and some made some of us great with our hands and others of us brilliant and some of us strong and some of us persevere and can work all night long or whatever. There's all these kind of different things that he's given us. Aren't we supposed to like get stuff done? have projects, build things, and solve things. I don't know. Maybe 
sang this morning, raising up the broken to life. You remember that? I heard you all. You were all singing it. Raising up the broken to life. Right? What's that about? What's God's agenda? Is his agenda to make us all superheroes and capes and uh, famous and accomplishing things or whatever? Or is God responsible for all things? I wonder if we're supposed to more look at ourselves as broken rather than I'm on this track, I'm going to get better, and then when I get this degree, and I get this thing, and then I'm going to make some money, and then I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to accomplish, and people will know my name. Is our name the one that we're meant to be promoting? We're meant to be promoting his name. Now, am I saying that we should all just stop working and accomplish nothing from now on? Is that what I'm saying? I'm saying maybe we should be learning how to enjoy being godly right where we are. And if something grows or is fixed or we work on or we serve or we help, to God be the glory and we'll see what he does with it. It's been a rough um, couple years for me personally, and I got into New Year's looking at where things have been and where they're going and what's going on with my family. The amount of work and looking at this impending move of all my stuff from a house that we've been in for 13 years that my kids mostly know as their only real home. And I'm sitting on New Year's Eve thinking about all this and it's kind of hitting me. What do I have? What am I doing? There were kind of fun questions. And I'm going to show you some pictures in a little bit. But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can ta- cannot take anything out of the world. Boy, we've heard that phrase before. Right? Sometimes we hear it at funerals. It's a great reminder all the things that you pursue will be left behind. All of your accomplishments will stay here. Tell you what, that, that hit me pretty hard a week and a half ago. I got that phone call from Scott Osi at 9.20. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Well, actually, it's Sean. What did I know right then? It's rough to um, sit and watch a slideshow yesterday of this great lady in all these different environments, in different eras, with different people, at different places. And there was a picture yesterday of the old boat ride at Disneyland. Some of us probably don't even know about that ride. It's been gone for decades. You, you, you can't even ride that. And here's a picture of mom with the two daughters in, in this old Disneyland boat riding along. Can't take that with you. We have to enjoy and live in the moment. What you can take with you is that you were godly in the midst of an environment 
when this happened or that happened or you got a phone call, how'd you handle it? How'd you respond to them? What'd you do with your time and your money and your effort? Been a great question for me to be asking lately. Brought nothing into this world, cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be, what? Content. Let's say that, that, let's say that verse together with me. Okay, now hold on a second. Just give me a little moment with my other people. Hey, people at home, you are not off the hook. If we say stuff and repeat it out loud out here, I know you're in your pajamas. You got you to gotta repeat it too. Okay, here we go. Verse 8, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. All right, let's do it again. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Really? Where's my Tesla? I, I thought food, clothing, and a Tesla, then I'll be content. No, no, should, maybe not Tesla. Okay, how about food, clothing, and that job I wanted? Um, how about personal for me? How about food, clothing, and more people at the church? What if we, you know, if I could just have three services, well, then I'll be happy. Them's dangerous words, aren't they? If my kid would only, if my spouse would just, darn it, my parents, you'll never imagine what they did. And I can't even tell you what's going on at work. My boss, she's, he's, they. Sounds pretty ugly, doesn't it? You look at it that way. Food and clothing, that's it? Yesterday was a good day. I had food and clothing yesterday. Apparently it was a good day. How about you? Anybody have food and clothing yesterday? All right, anybody have, plan on having food and clothing today? It's, it's too late, all right? You all, all got clothes on and there's donuts back there, so, <laughs> right? I mean, all of a sudden the standard changes, doesn't it? What do you have? They're great questions. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Rich for who? Self. Into a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge. Um, let's stay on that uh, slide there. What's that bottom word in the very left bottom corner? What's that word? Senseless. And now you have your title. Senseless contentment. There's senseless and there's contentment. And folks, for most people, the pursuit of content is senseless. For most people outside of this room, most people outside of faith, outside of Jesus, to be content in what they have, at peace, satisfied, would, it makes no sense. Who, who was, um, was it Rockefeller said, how, how much money is enough money? Oh, one more dollar. Or just a little bit more? Do I need more land? Do I need more possessions? Food and clothing. That's it. I don't need to come up with my own sense, more things to pursue that will then make me better. How about the idea that I can be better right now in who I am rather than in what I have, what I accomplish, um, what my talents are. What a healthier, happier place. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. Not only does it not make sense, but then what's it do? Then what's it do? It hurts. Weird, hurtful desires. That's so backward and ironic. You're pursuing something, a desire that is going to hurt you. That's called self-destruction. And it plunges you. Did you? Anybody curious where the plunge is going here? We're plunging into something. Let's find out. We're plunging into, we're plunging people into ruin and destruction. Oh, it's not about self anymore. It's not just about self anymore. Now, people are getting ruined and destruction. Right? You remember my re reference earlier to dead bodies along the road? Right? You're hurting people as you do it. Why? Because you become most important. Because gain is your thing. Rather than God. You traded G words. You traded God for gain. Right? For the love of money. Oh, we, we have to sing that song, don't we? For the love of money. No? Okay. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. That's what that song's about, if we did listen to it. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Self-destruction pierced themselves. For what? For gain. Verse 11, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Um, we talking to uh, all people? You, should, you know, might think of it, but as for you, O mankind of God, or both genders or whatever, uh, flee these things. All this self-promotion, self, self all that, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Are, are any of those accomplishments? Are there, are there plaques or certificates or paychecks for any of those things? There's not. Fight the good fight of the faith, verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Why, why fight the fight? Shouldn't it be like row the stream or Butter the bread, something nicer and calmer. You know, set up the chairs, you know, groom the flowers. No, it's fight the fight. Why? What's the implication? To give up self is what? No, it's more than work. It doesn't say work hard at the tough work. It says fight the fight. To give up self, to turn back on self, to pursue God and help others and be content with that, satisfied and at peace, it's a fight. Who are you fighting with? You're fighting with yourself, which I'm horrible at. I always lose, right? A little comedy. You fight with yourself. You're somebody. You're going to lose. Um, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So you know, you know the good confession. You know how to pursue God. I charge you in the presence of God. And watch this, because this is um, this Paul is famous for this. The run-on sentence. This sentence is going to go on almost to the very end of verse 16. Crazy. Watch this. 
I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who, is the test, in, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Ooh, good confession's been mentioned twice now. It's not a common little word combo. Any guesses as to whether we're going to look at the good confession as soon as the passage is over? Yeah, we're going to. We'll, we'll pick that up in a bit. Made the good confession to keep the commandment. Verse 14. We got this setup in verse 13. And in verse 14, Paul gives us the command of why this sentence exists. I charge you, okay, beginning of verse 13, and we skip the qualifier to get to 14. I charge you to keep the commandment. That's the command in this sentence. It's an imperative, right? Keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, what's the commandment? The commandment was love the Lord, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Oh wait, no, that's not in it, right? Um, Keep it until the appearing of Christ, verse 15, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. Two and a half verses of run-on sentence. What just happened there? You have a focus. It's the commandment to love God and love your neighbor, and you're to stick to it. And rather than get caught up in self and gain, and a bunch of that qualifier stuff, I mean, we don't need a sentence that's that long, Paul. Come on. Or maybe we do. Because the beginning of the passage is, you know, when you pursue this and you do that, you know, you're depraved of mind and deprived of the truth and you're senseless and da 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 when you're pursuing yourself because who's important who have you raised up who have you puffed up self i can compete with god because my plan's better than his now you would never say it that way but your pursuits are saying that and so paul comes in here with all these qualifying statements says yeah guess what you're messing with the guy who lives in unapproachable light He's the maker of all things. He can do this. You know, I'd, like you to introduce, I'd like to introduce you to the one who's actually in charge. The only self that matters. God himself. It's kind of a cheeky little thing that Paul does. Oh, you think you're so good, huh? Let me introduce you to Jesus here. <laughs> right? I love this. And then to, uh, to cap it off, he says, to him be honor an eternal life? No. What's that word? Dominion. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen? Okay. What's dominion? Is that a bigger word? Someone thinks it means full control. It's interesting. We see this word dominion right at the beginning. Genesis. Six days of creation and uh, they they create everything and guess guess who gets created last? You save the best for last? Uh, Male and female created last, right? And I always like to joke, well, female was made after male and if 
best for last, and women are better than men, right? Kind of fun. Uh, but when, when he takes this idea of let us make man in our own image, he says, and he will have dominion over the plants and the animals in the earth. There's a level of control that we have that exceeds uh, what a tree could do. Um, what a muskrat is capable of. Paul's here saying, hey, guess what? Eternal control, that's Jesus. Let's honor that. Let's honor that in our pursuits. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? I want to look at um, three little ideas and show you some pictures, and then I want to get to... Um, um, at the end, what Jesus says before Pilate, because it's, it's glorious. Um, first concept, let's just go straight uh, to it. Uh, prioritizing gain devalues, prioritizing gain devalues people, right? Do we see that in the passage? Absolutely, right? It creates ruin and destruction for people. Uh, prioritizing gain devalues what you have. If you think you need more, if more is like one of your favorite words, what'd you just do to everything you have? When more outvalues have, have loses its value. It devalues what you do. If you need to go somewhere else to go do something else, what'd you just say about where you are now and what you're doing right now? And the people where you're with now? Ooh. That'd be like me saying, well, you know, I like second service better. So I'm just going to do second service from now on. How would all you first service people feel? Right? You people at home, you don't come to church. So I'm turning it off. We're not going to do that anymore. That's a goofy analogy that draws easy conclusions. No, Scott, you're way off. We should be finding more ways to do those kind of things. Because um, it, de it devalues what you're doing. And it devalues your relationship with who we're at church. Heitzman's not here. Someone needs to say it. Jesus. Right? Prioritizing gain devalues people, what you have, what you do, and God. Did I get that last one right? It said it devalues God. It's a trick. Can anybody devalue God? You can't devalue God. You can devalue your own relationship with God. And then who's being devalued? Ooh, ooh. Who loses in this whole little sentence here? Self. This is an um, equation for ending up alone. For sure. Like not even with God. Alone? Begs the question, what do you have? Still have your parents? Praise God. Still have my parents. Still have your spouse? Still have your siblings? Still have your kids? Still have your job? Still have your health? What do you have? Are you at peace with it? Are you satisfied with what you have? Or do you have to have? Ooh. 
See, the problem with gain is you add a have. When, when there's have, that's what I have. I'm doing pretty good. Happy. But if you add a have to have, when you have to have, now you're getting into gain. You got too many haves. Be careful. What's the um, solution to this little sentence? If prioritizing gain devalues this, 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 and this, then the opposite of that would be to what? Take the D off and remove the gain. Prioritize valuing people, valuing what you have. Value what you do. Value your relationship with God. It's just a simple twist. Or it's a get back on track or get back on the road, get back on the path. Right? What happens when you do that? What happens when then you want to go talk to God and ask Him for something? Tell Him something? Absolutely changes the game. Well, I don't have to worry about getting Berglund's attention. He's already paying attention. Now, what's he talking about then? Let's work on that now. We can set aside working on Scott for a little bit and we can work on what Scott's working on or I can get Scott involved in what I'm working on because I don't have to fulfill my time with working on Scott. It's a great, great little thing. Right? Um, Number two. Will seeking sense lead to contentment? You know, we, we think, we prioritize, we come up with a scheme and a plan, and I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get this, and I'm going to make more money, and I'm going to build this, and I'm going to fix that, and I'm going to get some people, and we're gonna, they're going to do it with me. And you, you, you come to your senses, and you start seeking stuff that makes sense to you. Is that going to lead to contentment? Or, you see the... That huge word at the end of the first line, L-R. I've told you that in the Bible, many times the most powerful words are the small one. Or will seeking contentment lead to, what is it? Sense. We think that we can come up with stuff that will get us to contentment. It's wrong. Seek contentment. Just be content. And things will start to make sense. You start valuing the people around you, what you're doing, where God has placed you. Um, The fact that you can't grow hair like you used to anymore. And that you looked at a wedding picture as you were clearing out your garage and you realized, I am not him anymore. And it doesn't matter. I can enjoy who I was and I get to enjoy who I am. And things start making better sense. I'm making more and more sense. Whoa, that's never happened before for me. I know for you, you probably have made more sense. Um, but it really is a shift because, and this isn't a fill-in, but it's probably a write this down. Contentment is a decision. It's not an achieve. You can decide to be content right now. Praise God for my mom that she taught me from the moment I could speak and understand anything that most of your emotions are decisions. 
and that you always have a choice. Good thing she went into professional counseling. She was good at it before she had a license, right? Will seeking sense lead to contentment or will seeking contentment lead to sense? Give me an answer. First one or second one? I'll wait till second service if nobody answers. It's the second one, yeah? So I told you it was New Year's Eve and I'm doing the whole thing and then New Year's Day, I'm sitting around and we had some other families with us. Uh, Fernanda was there, a bunch of kids and the whole thing. And we're at the family cabin that we've had since I was like seven years old. Now, the whole thing's gonna fall down any minute. I, I, I swear it is. Built in the 70s and not sure what kind of code they were using back then. We find surprises all the time. You know what I mean? It's one of those kind of builds. But the nostalgia, the history, you're sitting at the card table with grandma back when I was a little boy because I got a week with grandma by myself playing cards and uh, drinking as much Coke on ice as I want because grandma says there's no rules about soda when you're with me. All those memories. And I'm sitting at, at, at the cabin and I'm sitting on, there's one couch total. It's a dinky little place. Um, and this was my view on the couch. It's the fireplace. It's the cabin fireplace. We got it? There it is. I've let you into my cabin. Since I was seven years old, I've been looking at that fireplace. And I was sitting there just having a moment. People are playing cards over there. People are playing another game over there. Some people are outside chasing the dog through the woods and trying to find deer and all kinds. Somebody's cooking up in the kitchen. And I'm just sitting on the couch looking at that fireplace. And it struck me. And this is when I knew what we would be speaking about today, like four weeks plus later. This is the same fireplace for 45 years. I still have this fireplace. I start looking at this fireplace. And just, I love this fireplace. This fireplace is valuable. Nothing's changed. Nothing's gotten better. In fact, it's gotten worse. It's getting some cracks and there's soot all over and the whole thing. And I love it. This is the same fireplace that my parents sat in front of, that my grandparents sat in front of, that my kids are now sitting in front of. And now I've got other friends sitting in front of it. In fact, most of them aren't sitting in front of it because they're off doing other things, enjoying the cabin, enjoying the nature. And I'm sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. I get out my phone and I take a picture. Click! That's how you got this, right? You kind of knew that, right? And I shoot it off to my dad. Dad, remember this? He writes back, oh, you're going to make me cry. I said, yeah, Dad, we still got the fireplace. It's the most glorious fireplace of all time. And check it out, Dad, on the left. Look at that. You see what that is? It's the exact same fireplace tools that Grandpa bought. See, back then, they made them out of metal and thick and strong, and you can't destroy them, and they're still, there they are. Glorious. My dad writes back, yeah, it's so sad. There used to be a shovel in that set. Wonder what happened to that old shovel? I said, Dad, don't worry. 
It's just outside the picture frame on the other side of the fireplace. We still got the shovel. Right? And I had this profound moment of, what do I have? I got a beat up cabinet that's going to fall down any day and the plumbing doesn't work and people don't like to come to it. And gosh, if I had a cabin like someone else's, everything would be better. Or I still have the cabin with the fireplace and the shovel. My kids are here. Everybody's pretty much healthy. Marissa made it through her back surgery. And God and I, we have a little combative relationship. Because it's in moments like this where he reaches down and kind of smacks me in the back of the head. It's like, what do you got to complain about? You satisfied with everything you have? You better be. Because I could shake it up any minute I want. That's how we talk, God and I. What do you have? You got a shovel? Fireplace? I hope so. Hope you're valuing the things that you already have. Lastly, make the good confession your definition. Make the good confession your definition. When you start to define self by gain, by accomplishments, by abilities, um, by materials, it's going to end in destruction. Twice Paul talks about the good confession, and he says, look, this is what defines us. In fact, Jesus used it in front of Pontius Pilate, and I want to read that because we have to remember it. This is um, John chapter uh, 18. We're getting to the end. You know, obviously, he's before Pilate. He's about to be crucified, and, and so we're, we're almost into the, the Easter story, right? Um, and Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him. So we're, we're mid-exchange. They've already talked a little bit. And this is, this is towards pretty much the end of the conversation. And he says to Jesus, he says, are you the king of the Jews? Great question. Wrong question to ask. If you don't want him to be the king of the Jews, then you don't even ask him if he's the king of the Jews because you don't let him answer that question, right? Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? He's asking, is this your question? Is this what you believe, or did you hear that from someone else? Are you buying in, or are you just running alongside? Did you jump the bandwagon, or do you have your own original thought? Great question. Did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Now, does it sound like he's cooperating? Am I a Jew? No, he's contradicting. He's, we're in conflict now. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. He says, are you asking me if, what, if someone else said something to me? Hey, the someone else is in your life, the Jews. This is what they did. They delivered you over to me. What have you done? Pilate won't talk about himself to keep the conversation based on what's wrong with Jesus and why is it a problem that he needs to deal with. Uh, Jesus answers in verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Do you feel the little bit of contentment in there? 
Is Jesus in a bad place, humanly speaking? He's in a lot of trouble. Jews don't like him. He's in front of a Roman ruler. Eh, we know how this story is end. He's in a tough spot. Lesser man's arguing with him about stuff he doesn't understand, like he's in power. And what Paul say about him? Uh, he lives in unapproachable light and he's control of all things. Right? This is Jesus. He could stop this at any moment. And he decides to be content in the moment and he goes with it. Ooh. Brilliant when God asks us to do things that Christ already did and did better than we ever could. He stays content in the moment and stays in the conversation, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Boy, he's just poking the bear, isn't he? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to follow that good commandment, that good confession. That's what we're supposed to do. And what does he say? Everyone who listens to uh, truth. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Is he buying in? Not at all. So he had a choice. He runs off with the self-choice rather than the Jesus choice. And then he goes off and says, yeah, I find no guilt in him. And sometimes we hear that to be, oh, it's a great confession that, you know, Pilate's coming around. Nah, Pilate was arguing with him the whole time, and he was just doing self. It was still wrong. You can play along for the wrong reason, and you're still wrong. We have to be looking at what is truth, what is the kingdom, who's really in control of it, where's it going, and then how do we enjoy it? You got food and clothing today? Shoot, I got more than that. I got food, clothing, and a shovel. Right? And you didn't get to see it, did you? Because it was outside the picture. It's okay. It's not your shovel. What do you have? What has God given you? What has God gifted you with? If you still have time, if you have anything. Let's enjoy it and figure out where is God in it and what is the truth about it. Because folks, I have to say, in the midst of all that, I'm faced with Scott Osi passes and now he has no chance at any of this stuff anymore. We have no idea how much time we have. Make the most of what he's given you and be satisfied with it. That is senseless contentment. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the reminder that we can pursue the wrong things, that we can get twisted, that we can be depraved and deprived and all those things. And at the same time, we can understand make sense, pursue you, be a witness, keep the command, make the confession. 
We have a shot at all those things. I, I pray, Lord, you would show us how to do that. Show us what contentment looks like and help us to decide it every day. As we close and as we're praying, I, I want you at some point to write down, what are the top three things you're pursuing? What are the things you're pursuing these days? And then do some calculations with God about those things. God, wrestle with us as we wrestle through these things, but may we um, be always under your dominion. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive, Lord. Pray that you would bless it. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank Brent Baldwin for the last four Sundays in that series. Really appreciate the work that he did and opportunity I had to tend to family and such. Um, I guess I have to say, go Niners. May you know, may you know the difference between content and content. Amen. Go with him.